Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it with all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, a number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter. At go for again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, go to the website, goforradio.com. You can also listen to this show on Stitcher. You can also listen to this show on iHeart.com. So many places. Spotify. So many places where you can listen to us talk sports and have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by... Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, and we're going to talk to Willie about some of the great things going on in the National Football League. Um, Willie was actually in New Orleans last week, Saints-Cowboys game. Willie actually flipped the coin to start the football game. So, you know, obviously he's a New Orleans Saints legend. He's a Kansas City Chiefs legend. He's a legend, period. He will be joining us to talk some NFL. And as we go throughout the course of this show, got to talk a little NBA because it's back. Training camps are opened up around the National Basketball Association. We had the pleasure of being at 76ers Media Day last week on Monday, excuse me. So we would ha- we had the pleasure of being there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that, talk about what we saw, you know, our thoughts. Obviously, the Philadelphia 76ers are a team that is going to be favored to at least come out of the Eastern Conference by some, and a team that, by others, who could be, who who others may consider a championship-caliber team, a team that could win it all. Here's the beauty about the NBA this year, and it's not something you can always say about the NBA, especially in recent years. It's wide open, and there's so many teams that you can point to that you could say could possibly win an NBA title. It is very wide open this year, and that's the beauty of the NFL. At this, Not the NFL. Well, that is the beauty of the NFL because we never know, but the beauty of the NBA, it is wide open. In the East, you could point to the Sixers. You could point to the Bucks. I think you could point to the Celtics a little bit. Maybe the Pacers. In the West, Lakers, Rockets. I think you could talk about the Blazers in the conversation. I mean, there's teams. The Jazz, obviously the Clippers. So you could talk about a lot of different teams 
who have legitimate chances to win an NBA title next season, this season. So we'll get to all that. We'll we'll get to what we saw at Sixers Media Day. But anyway, last night we saw another good Thursday night football game in the NFL. And, you know, one thing about Thursday night football, especially over the years, is it hasn't been the best brand of football. It hasn't been very exciting. In fact, it's been very sloppy. You've seen a lot of sloppy play when it comes to Thursday night football. Past two weeks, we, we got some good football games. Eagles-Packers last week, you know, that was a game that came down to the end. Eagles got a stop at the goal line. Interception by Nigel Bradham to end the football game, and the Eagles went on their way. This week, a back-and-forth contest with the Rams and the Seahawks. That came down to the end. Greg Zellig Zerline missed a game-winning field goal as the Seattle Seahawks escaped. But one thing I will say about the last two weeks is we saw a good brand of football. We saw a high level of football. And we saw, you know, some teams who played some good games. And, And we saw four decent football teams who, at the end of the day, could be in the playoffs when this thing is all said and done. And one of those teams between the Rams, Eagles, Seahawks, and Packers could possibly be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Oh, a, a lot of football left, obviously. A lot of football left. So I got to slow myself down. But anyway, it was a good brand of football. You got the Rams now. You know, defensively, they weren't great last year. And defensively this year, they're not great to average defense. They're going to make some plays. They're going to give up some plays. In the past two weeks, they've given up some plays, whether it's to Jameis Winston or whether it is to Russell Wilson. And, you know, obviously, anytime you let the team score 55 points on you, that's not a good thing. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dropped 55 big points on the Los Angeles Rams last year. Last week, excuse me. And then, this week, Seattle comes back, 30 points, and they get the W. Now, the thing with the Los Angeles Rams and that particular football team, here's the reality. Went to the Super Bowl last year, represented the NFC, and Jared Goff, you know, obviously, the past two weeks, he's made some big-time mistakes in some big-time situations. He was stripped against the Buccaneers. Adama Kinsu scoops it and scores. And then last, you know, this week, Thursday night, he threw an interception that many thought could have ended the football game. But he got another chance, and ultimately, I will say, he did put his team in position to win the football game. Your kicker should make a 41-yard field goal. Your kicker should make that field goal. That's a makeable kick. You have to make that in the National Football League. You have to make that kick. You have to. It's essential. It has to be done. And so 
It wasn't done. And ultimately, the Los Angeles Rams lose their second straight game. So you look at the Rams. Excuse me, I said 41. It was 44 yard, a 44-yard field goal. But at the end of the day, a 44-yard field goal has to be made. It has to be made. It cannot be missed, especially with the game on the line. The game was on the line. And the Rams had an opportunity to win that football game. So right now they're 3-2. and two. And again, two, the Buccaneers' loss is inexcusable. That's an inexcusable loss. That's inexcusable. Unacceptable. Cannot happen. But I look at their schedule, and the Rams being at 3-2, and two, I look at their schedule. They got the 49ers at home next week. Got the Falcons on the road. Falcons don't seem like a very good football team. They got to go play the Bengals. They host the Bengals. That should be a win. They go to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers, and that's a winnable game. So the next four for the St. Uh, I wanted to say St. Louis for the Los Angeles Rams are winnable football games. So they could easily get back right in the next few weeks. But again, good Thursday night football action, and 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 that's good to see. That is good to see. Because, like I said, Thursday night football has been garbage, has been sloppy, and has not been very exciting. But the past two weeks, the narrative, I guess on some level, is changing. Because the last two weeks, we've seen some good, good football. And I hope to see some good, good football on Thursday night football moving forward. Sticking in the NFL now, you look at the New Orleans Saints, and that was a football team. Obviously, Drew Brees goes down with with the hand injury, and when you looked at the New Orleans Saints, you thought there could be a possibility that they might struggle with Teddy Bridgewater, especially after Bridgewater came in against the Los Angeles Rams and he wasn't that great. You know, he, he he wasn't that good. And, you know, people were saying, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill. Because Taysom Hill, the third-string quarterback and the do-it-all quarterback, I mean, he plays multiple positions for the New Orleans Saints. But he had a very impressive preseason. And, you know, he outplayed Teddy Bridgewater in the preseason. So a lot of people are quick to call on Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill. Every time Trey Bridgewater struggles, and he struggled against the Rams. And then he came back against Seattle, and he wasn't that great, but he was solid. I mean, he made plays. He made enough plays, and he put the ball in the hands of the playmakers. And so, and he didn't make any mistakes. And and that's going to be key in the next few weeks. And I will say, this New Orleans defense has stepped up 
the past few weeks without Drew Brees on the football field. This New Orleans defense has stepped up and made plays. I mean, they, they shut down the Dallas Cowboys, held them to 10 points last week. And then, you know, the week before against Seattle, the defense did a great job against the Seattle team that got some garbage touchdowns near the end of the game. But that New Orleans defense dominated that Seattle team as well. This is a team, you know, without Drew Brees, that's going to have to learn how to win in all different types of ways. You remember against Seattle, they found a way to score in every phase of the game. They found ways to score and make plays in every phase of the game. And that's what you need in that particular situation. You need a team. You need your players to make it, be able to make plays and step up and help your guys. Because, you know, obviously the offense is not the same without Drew Brees. I mean, against Seattle, uh, two weeks ago, they got a punt return for a touchdown, which obviously is huge. They got a fumble return for a touchdown, which is, again, huge. You know, Kamara made some plays. So they got touchdowns from their defense, their special teams, and their offense. And then last week against the Cowboys, they got a big-time performance out of their defense. And the defense also was big-time against the uh, Seattle Seahawks, but they got another big-time performance out of the defense against the Cowboys. And, you know, you look at this Saints team, and obviously Drew Brees will be back at some point in time. And, you know, what you're seeing from that defense it's got to be encouraging for New Orleans because that defense is playing very well and, and has stepped up their play after Drew Brees went down. And that tends to happen. You know, various parts of your team, your team tends to step up when guys go down because they have no choice, especially if you have a good football team. And New Orleans is proving at this point in time that they're a very formidable football team. And you got to remember this. Remember this about the thing. Past two years, you look at last year, you know, that pass interference call, that was very, very obvious. That didn't go their way. And then the year before that, you had Case Keenum hitting Stephon Diggs and, and a play that should not have happened. So the Saints, two fluky situations that caused them to miss the Super Bowl the past two seasons. But we'll see what happens now. But this team right now, without Drew Brees, playing some decent football, and they're getting help from everybody, and Teddy Bridgewater is doing a fairly decent job of protecting the football. We're going to bring in a guy now who was at the game last week, at the New Orleans Saints-Cowboys game. This man was on the field. This man was flipping the coin to start the game. Let's bring him in now, former Saint, former Chief, and Hall of Famer, Willie Rowe. Willie. Yeah, how's it going? Doing well, you? Good. Just landed in Kansas City. It's ninety-seven degrees in uh, in uh, in, uh, in Florida. I get to Kansas City. It's in the fifties and just raining and a little overcast. It's in the fifties, so I'm I'm in the Midwest. <laughs> you're out of your element right now. You know you you got you're used to that hot weather. I'm used to. I'm I'm glad I'm out of it. I'm glad I'm in a little chillier weather. Okay. All right. So, so Willie, last week you were in New Orleans. 
the New Orleans Saints, I mean, they played some big-time football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, shut down the Cowboys, held them to 10 points. Ultimately, they would win 12 to 10. And, you know, looking at that football team and looking at that football game, how impressed were you with that defense? I'm very impressed with the defense. Uh, the way they played, uh, they, they they put – they put um, um, Lattimore on the top receiver and let him cover uh, Cooper most of the time and uh, man up. Those D tackles play real big. Rankins is playing good. The other kid, 93, playing good, giving Camp Jordan some help. I was not impressed with the offensive line. Uh, too many penalties, too many penalties on offense. Uh, Bridgewater made that play. Uh they're going to have to play a lot better offensively, you know, uh, uh, to to get to the next level. And, you know, they got lucky. You know, the last the, the game before Seattle, they moved the ball, but the defense scored a touchdown and did some stuff in that game too. And they did good against the Rams in spurts. But, uh, you know, offensively, you know, to come back home, I thought they would have established some type of running game or some type of rhythm. But it was a lot of penalties, and, and it never looked like either team got into any type of rhythm. So, look, looking at that football team, you know, obviously Drew Brees is out, but he will be back at some point in time. But looking at how the defense is stepping up and how everybody else is stepping up, does that bode well for the Saints team moving forward? It does bode well, but you ne- you're going to need the tight ends going to have to step up or those young receivers look like they were getting better. One of those young receivers is going to have to step up. They're going to have to – they're going to tighten things up on Michael Thomas. He's not going to be able to be your oh, go-all, go-it-all, do-it-all receiver. So somebody else is going to have to step up and help and, and show up and do more out there uh, catching the ball also. Yeah, definitely. But I think, you know, obviously when, when Drew Brees was in there, the offense looked fairly proficient. They were able to move the ball effectively, obviously, score some points. And, and so the Saints, at this point, is a team, you know, 3-1 and one and playing some good football right now, some really good football. And you look at the NFC South, and I'm just looking around and looking at this NFC South, and it seems, you know, based on what we've seen the first four weeks, that the Saints – are probably going to win that division. I think the thing is for them now is to, you know, try to get the best possible record so they can get that by and ultimately get some home games. We will have some answers about Tampa Bay this week. They got a tough game to go in the dome. James Winston has been playing some good football now. The backup quarterback at Carolina has been playing some good football. Yeah. They're playing better. The disappointment of the division has been the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know right. what happened to them, but Carolina's been putting up points and playing good. McCaffrey's been playing good. I mean, I would argue McCaffrey might be right now playing a little better than Kamara, the way they're using McCaffrey. Uh, you know, Kamara hasn't been as excited. He's been good, but he hasn't been doing what he was. I think Kamara, I think they miss – I like Murray, but they, they're going to miss Ingram too. I mean, yeah. they're going to miss Ingram, man. I mean, that, that Ingram was a pit bull, Paul. And him and Kamara just bounced off each other and gave you that energy, man. They, I just, you know, they, they, offensively, I want to see what, they, what they're going to do because it looks like offensively something 
you know, I don't want to say that something might be missing, but we'll see. We'll see if it goes on. That, that offense is going to have to score some points and see in some some games. So we'll see when Breeze gets back. But uh, some guys are going to have to step up. And, and it should be interesting to see how this Tampa Bay team does this week against the Saints, especially coming off a big victory against the Rams last week in Los Angeles. And, and Jameis Winston, to your point, has been playing some decent football. And I, I guess the one thing about Winston, though, he's going to give you something. He's always going to give you an opportunity to make a play against him. I mean, he seems to throw the ball up at times. But he, he is playing some decent football. And the Buccaneers, you know, easily could be 3-1 and one at this point. You know, obviously they had the Giants down and, and probably should have won that football game, but the Giants were able to come back in that second half. But to your point, yeah, I mean, Winston's playing some decent football and the Buccaneers, I, I think, I mean, I think the Saints will win this football game, but I don't think it will be easy because, to your point, you look at the Saints offensively, especially without Breeze, they're having a hard time scoring points. And so that it's going to be interesting to see if they can put up the necessary points or whether or not the defense continues to play well enough where the offense doesn't have to put as many points up to win games. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, I mean, Paul, they kicked four field goals. They didn't score a touchdown. Right. I mean, Kamal got loose um, in the Seattle game, but they didn't score a touchdown. I mean, they won the game kicking four, I mean, kicking four field goals. That hasn't happened in 20 years. So, you know, I think it might have been against Temple. We won 9 to 3 or something, but they won the game kicking field goals. Yeah. And, and that's a testament to your defense, but also to your point, you know, obviously you want to score points. You want to score touchdowns. But it, it could also be a situation, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, this first time seeing some action, extended action in a long time. And, and Maybe he'll continue, you know, to get his legs under him and and continue to possibly play better or play better as this thing progresses. It should be interesting. But I think, to your point, they may have to score some points against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team because this offense in Tampa, they put up points. Defensively, they're not the greatest, but offensively, they put up some points. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. So, Willie, it's been a couple weeks since we got to talk to you, but Antonio Brown, I mean, obviously that situation is a mess. I mean, you know, it all started in Oakland with his feet, uh, you know, in, in the chamber, it, it, you know, some frostbitten feet started with the helmet, went to the helmet and ultimately he was released by the Raiders. Then he went to the Patriots and then some stories came out about him and, you know, alleged, well, he has a civil suit against him you know, for a, a sexual assault. So he's got a lot of things going on with him. He's got the, the other woman, you know, and text messages and, and, and things of that nature. So much going on with Antonio Brown. But let me ask you this. Has he played his last game in the NFL, in your opinion? No. He hasn't played his last game. Antonio Brown's going to have to come back and play at some point. He just made some dumb decisions. And then he's still making dumb decisions. He has a deposition. He walks out the deposition with attorneys there and stuff in court. You can't walk out of deposition when they're asking you questions. So he walked out of deposition today or yesterday or something. I saw that. He's not listening to anybody. And and, and, and it's going to take some humbling. I don't know when he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play this year. 
but he should have stayed in Oakland, Paul. Do you realize Oakland is going to Vegas? And in Vegas, he could have showed up and did some appearances and some nightclubs and made a couple hundred grand a pop. And, I mean, it's, ta- it's, it's no state tax. He could have been, if he ever went to Oakland and just took care of his business, man, they would have loved him. He fits the, the Raider mold. And this kid, I don't know if something looks, looks like something's off. I mean, he walked out. I mean, something's not right. I don't know if I'm going to touch him because, you know, I mean, I'm just going to be afraid to touch him because it seems like he's off. And it seems like now, Paul, if you do sign him, you don't know if this guy's going to be able to stay on the straight now on you. You don't know what you're getting now. This guy seems like there's something, he seems like there's something else going on, Paul. So I'm a little worried about him. And I played with his dad. Dad was a hell of a player. But it seems like something's off with this kid. Something doesn't seem right. Something doesn't seem right. I mean, you know, you got that second opportunity with the Patriots, and, you know, you're texting the girl who who was in that Sports Illustrated article. I mean, it's just it's just stupidity. You know, just – it, it, it was a Wednesday night. He was getting $5 million on that Monday. He put it in a group text, and it's talking about our kids. And the Patriots cut him on that Friday. He was getting a $5 million check on that Monday. $5 million. <laughs> now, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's mind-boggling. I mean, you, you look at the situation in Oakland, the $30 million in Oakland, that he just, it's just doing stupidness, just stupidity, just very baby-like behavior. I mean, very immature behavior, just very spoiled behavior on his part. And it's, it's, it's like you said, he was going to be in Las Vegas. And his act would have been perfect in Las Vegas. He's he, going to be in Las Vegas. Absolutely perfect in Las Vegas. Paul, he's going to be in Las Vegas, just never had an NFL franchise, the first one they're going to have there. He would have had so endorsements and could have made so much money off the field. And he's close to LA. All the boxing matches, events, and all that stuff, he would have fit in perfect in Vegas. It's the new football team. You know, everybody's going to be excited. He would have made a killer in the next five years. It would have been, he would have, it'd have been absolutely amazing for him. It would have been the perfect storm for him. I mean, it just, everything would have worked out for the guy. He, like you said, he is. The Oakland Raiders. I mean, in terms of you know their the, the reputation of that franchise, they love outlaws. They they love guys who do things a little differently. And Antonio Brown is an outlaw and does things a little differently. And most importantly, he makes plays. And he would have made a lot of plays with the Raiders. And he would have made a lot of money with the Oakland Raiders. And he would have he would have been he would have been a forty five minute flight from LA. He loves LA. He could have went to LA and hung out in Hollywood. They would have been coming over hobnobbing. You know everybody from LA goes to Oakley. So they would have been coming over there. It would have been the perfect situation for him. You're playing football down the street from LA. You're you're a three hour drive from LA and you you're playing for in Vegas. But you don't have no state tax. You're saving thirteen point three percent, and I can be in LA on a forty-five minute flight. Right. It's it just 
it is mind-boggling the things Antonio Brown has done. Some believe that he may never play another game in the NFL. I don't necessarily see it that way because he is so talented. I mean, Antonio Brown is a game-changer. So I think he gets another chance. I'm not sure it's going to be this year. Or if I'm Antonio Brown, here's what I do. I go to that girl, try to quietly settle. I settle, try to get that out the way, move that out the way, and then just try to move forward and and try to, you yeah, know. But, 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 but hold on, Paul. What are you selling? He has pictures and videos with the woman, hanging out with the woman in the bed. What's he paying her off for? You mean the woman and him were spending a lot of time together, intimate time together. You can see that. Why is he going to pay her off? But here, here's why. Here's why I would pay him off, pay her off. Guilty, not guilty. At some point, you got to move the story along. And at this point, the story is just at a standstill. So at some point, I mean, yes, you can go to court and try to to prove some things, but at the end of the day. It's in his best interest. I mean, he's 31 years old, so you only have so many years to play football. Gotcha. So if you keep this thing deadlocked, at this point it's a standstill. So if you keep it at this standstill, guess what's going to happen? I mean, you're just losing time and wasting time, and the story's out there. If you settle, you throw the money at it, and you just move on with your life. Just throw the money at it, and just move on with your life. And, and try to spin it in a way that makes it seem that you're not admitting anything, but kind of spinning away to make it seem like you're just trying to, I don't know, trying well, to get well, it moved any, on. Any, any, team, any team that signs him, it's all going to be like the Raiders. It's all, if he has, if he's making $10 million, I'm going to pay him $10 million. He's got to be on the roster every week. And if he does something dumb, you know, that's the problem, Paul. Everybody's just going to be incentive-based. He's going to have to play to get his money. The Raiders did the smartest thing by not giving him a signing bonus. Because they gave him a 10 to 15, $20 million signing bonus, they'd be trying to get it back. So the smartest, no team is going to give him any upfront money. He's going to earn his money for the rest of his career by playing and taking care of business. Another thing I'm going to do, Paul, if I'm going to sign him, you got to cut off the social media. When you're playing during the season, you cannot have social media during the season about the team, anything anything that you do, just what the Patriots did, that's going to be contrary to the team's social media rise, we can cut you too. I might try to take the social media out of his hands. This social media, Paul, is destroying a lot more than football players right now. The social media is destroying a lot of kids' lives. There's a lot of parents that are dealing with this with their kids because all these kids are worried about the social media. And, it's, and this generation is messed up because of it. Uh, social media is, is, is not – it can be a healthy thing when done correctly, but when you're talking about teenagers, it's very difficult for teenagers to do anything correctly. And then, obviously, in terms of Antonio Brown, yes, he needs to take a step back from social media, but I think it's a part of – it's generational in a lot of ways because a lot of people like those likes. A lot of people like those – you know, they like all the likes and all the love on – the social media sites, and sometimes, and I think with Antonio Brown, you've got to be a football player. That's your job. Your job is to be a football player, and you need to focus on being just that, a football player. That You know, he's trying to grow a brand and trying to be a brand, but at the end of the day, 
in the process of trying to do that, he's affecting his career, and it's not a good look at this point. And at this point, well, well how about we do? How about we do this, Paul? How about doing football season and everything? We hire somebody to run the social media and make everything look positive. And how about he leave it alone and he stay off there getting into arguments and beefing with people on there? How about you let somebody run it in a positive spin? I have social media, uh, Paul. I don't run it. My wife does a lot of that and somebody else. Right. But I don't do it. I personally don't do it. So when I look at stuff and they show me stuff, but I don't do it. So how about he worry about playing football and let somebody else do that? He can have somebody do that and do a positive spin and post stuff and make it creative. Let them do it. And you worry about playing football. In all season, you get on social media. So football season, get off. Yeah. But the issue is with a lot of people in terms of social media, social media is addicting. And a lot of people get addicted to social media and obviously, Antonio Brown seems like to be an addict when it comes to social media. He can't, he loves the attention. He, he likes the attention. He loves the attention. And unfortunately, his love for the attention. And, and also, let, let's be real in terms of Antonio Brown. I know in that Sports Illustrated story, there was a lot of different stories about him, you know, not paying bills, not paying people, things of that nature. I'm not saying they're true. I'm not saying it is true. I'm not saying it's not true. But what I'm saying is the picture that's being painted of him is of a guy who is not a very nice person at this point. He's kind of full of himself no. on some level. And he's, you know, if you don't, obviously, if you hire somebody to do something, you should pay him. And at this point, on the surface, just if you believe the story in Sports Illustrated, Antonio Brown's not paying his bills. He's not paying people. It's just not he's belittling nice people. He's he he's demeaning and belittling people, talking bad about him. Right. Talking about what he's doing and what he's got. You don't do that. You don't do that. So eventually, when you keep doing this stuff, it's going to come to light. And now everything. You know, we've heard about him not paying trainers and chefs, but his actions and the way he talks to people is out there because they posted the stuff. You know. This type of behavior, and he publicly keeps doing it, it's not going to end well, Paul. So he's got to go to some counseling. He's got to have – Paul, this is what you say to him. He's got to have a coming to Jesus moment. And if right. they're coming – he better have a coming to Jesus moment here pretty soon. Well, it's going to have to come sooner than later because at this point he's throwing his career away and he's not going to – you know, it's – He's at this point in our society in 2019, you know, various quote unquote, various crimes or various negative things towards women with this Me Too thing and everything going on. Is it, it's not, you're putting yourself in, in a very bad position when you do negative things to women. And hey, you shouldn't be doing negative things to women. You shouldn't. And it's all accusations. And I'm not saying I believe them. Believe the accusations. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true. But in this society, at this point, an accusation can go very, very far. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be true. An accusation at this point in our country, in our society, you throw it out there, people are very, very quick to believe it. And they don't necessarily give you the benefit of the doubt. 
So you got to be very, very careful in this age. You, you, you do. And Antonio Brown, unfortunately, is not being very careful. And it seems like at this point, all these things are, are coming up to get him at this point. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofer, another guy who doesn't seem to get it. Vontez Burfitt, I mean, this guy has been suspended at this point by the league for the rest of the year. You know, that vicious hit against Jack Doyle, unnecessary hit against Jack Doyle. And in today's NFL, you can't do those types of things. You can't do it. It won't be tolerated. It won't be accepted. And Burfitt obviously is a guy who has a reputation of doing these type of things. I'm going to be honest with you. Me personally, I don't believe he should got, shouldn't have gotten a year suspension. And it's going to get appealed, and we'll see if it gets reduced. But I don't think a year is warranted for this particular situation. It's not acceptable, and I get why the league did it, but I don't think he should get a year. But at the same time, he's got to switch things up a little bit. He's got to. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, he shouldn't have got a year, but, he, I mean, he's been doing this, you know. He well, he knocked out his teammate, Antonio Brown, too. So he's been headhunting. He dove right at the guy's head. So you can't – you know, the guy was already down or whatever. He didn't have to do that. So you can't you can't play football like that. Not in 2019 you can't. So that, 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 they're not going to let him continue to do that. So I agree with – I heard somebody else say four games and eight and 12. But, it, you know, I think it will be appealed and he'll get back in. But every time he does it again, it's going to be more stringent. So – I mean, I think I saw somewhere where he was fined, I think around $4 million. He's getting lost like $4 million in salary, you know, due to suspensions and fines and things of that nature. So it's just. No, it might have been, five, it might have been $5 million. Yeah, it was around that number. He's, he's, he's giving money away. I mean, that's a lot of money to be just given away. I mean, just for doing, for not being able to control yourself. And like you said, in 2019, it's a whole new world, and you can't do those type of things. It, it's viewed totally different. It's not the 80s, not even the 90s, not even the early 2000s, for that matter. You can't do those things anymore. And guys are going to miss money and miss games because of it. And Fontes Burfitt, I think he gets appealed, and I think he comes – it's obviously getting appealed, but I think – he will come back at some point in time. I don't think he's going to get that whole year, and I don't think he should. So, the Carolina Panthers. We talked about the Carolina Panthers. Kyle Allen had stepped in for Cam Newton, 2-0. and I mean, last week he had some fumbles. Didn't play the greatest, but he played good enough for the Carolina Panthers to win. He is 2-0 and as a starter. The Panthers were 0-2 without Cam Newton. Cam Newton has a foot injury at this point. You know, he's coming back from a shoulder. Have we seen the last of Cam Newton in Carolina? Do you think he plays again this year? Uh, if this kid keeps winning consistently, he won't play again this year a lot. I think we have. When you have a Liz Frank injury, Cam's banged up. And the problem with Cam, unless he can change his game into a straight drop-back quarterback and be successful, he can't because his arm's messed up too. So. Uh, with that arm and that in that leg, I think Cam is gonna go somewhere else next year and get a fresh start. Somebody's gonna sign him to a, a short a one two year deal 
and give him a chance to see if he can come back and be the old camp because he has been an MVP and he's been to the Super Bowl. But I think the writing's on the wall in Carolina, and uh, I think he, I think that body is banged up, and he, he took a lot of shots, and it needed to rest. And uh, we'll see if he can bounce back, but I think it's going to be with another team next year. Yeah, I mean, it, if Kyle Allen continues to play as well as he's playing and the Carolina Panthers keep winning, there's no way they can go back to camp. And like you said, you wonder if he can change his game up a little bit moving forward to be able to, you know, have an extended career. I mean, like you said, Cam Newton has taken a lot of pounding over these years. He's a big guy, but the body only has really, so many hits. Really, and he, Paul? And he's starting to break it down. And really, Paul, I don't think Cam's been the same since that Super Bowl. He took some shots in that Super Bowl. And they were head hunting, Vaughn and those guys. And I don't think since that Super Bowl, I don't think Cam's been right. I really don't. And, I mean, you look at that Super Bowl, and that, that was supposed to be Cam's crowning moment. I mean, they, they were – that was his best year, obviously. And, and to your point, he hasn't had a year like that since. I mean, that was, nope. that was the best of Cam Newton. And unfortunately that, for him, it's been downhill. 2015? That was 2015, was that? yeah. Yep, yep, 16. So he has not been the same. It's been downhill since. So we'll see what happens with Cam Newton. But it's looking more and more likely that Cam Newton may not play another game with the Carolina Panthers. But he will get another opportunity, which is – it'll be interesting where it will be. So you're in Kansas City this weekend. Kansas City Chiefs obviously are playing some big-time football. And they're doing – I mean, defense – seems a little better than they were a year ago, but they're pretty much doing what they did last year. That's just score a whole bunch of points and just outscore guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, my goodness, he just makes the game look so easy. It just looks so easy with him out there on the football field. I mean, that's a, that's a special football player. And obviously if he can stay healthy, he has the chance to put up some serious, serious numbers. And, you know, obviously this Chiefs team is a Super Bowl contending team and they just need their defense just to be average. They just need an average defense in Kansas City and they're going to win a Super Bowl if their defense is just average. I agree. I think they I think they gotta keep it going. You know, Tom has already said, you know, you see he said he feels it. He misses some practice. You're forty two years old, man, you're still running around on the football field. It's gonna it's gonna get tough on you at times. So, you know, every week's not gonna be that great. So uh um uh, you know, I'm excited about about the the uh the Chiefs. it's gonna be a special weekend. Uh, the uh, the guy came that was had just started to play when I got here, and we really he blossomed beside me right in the left guard. Brian Waters going in the Ring of Honor this weekend, uh, so uh, I'm excited for him. That's a big from undrafted to uh, starting and playing for 13 years and playing a lot of football to go in the Ring of Honor is always a huge achievement, and uh, and he earned it. 
How good was Brian Waters? I mean, you played next to him. How good was he? Was he? I played around a lot of football players. Brian Waters had it all. Brian Waters it was strong. I mean, like Larry Allen, Brian probably benched five fifty. I don't know. He, Brian made your job so much. If Brian could run in space, if they overplayed me, I'm going down. He's pulling. If they overplayed him, I'm outside. I'm, on, I'm outside on the edge. Uh, Brian could get to the second level. Uh, there's there's nothing he couldn't do on the football field. Um, Brian might have been in those years I was here the best all around athlete on our team, football player wise. And Will Shields, I got play. And you got a Hall of Famer at the other guard position. Now he wasn't a technician in the pass section, like where well, he wasn't as good as technique wise. But I'm talking about it just as far as the football player is strong and and fast and can do things. Uh, I haven't played with a football player better than him. Ever. And he will be honored this weekend in Kansas City. What, what's it like for you? I mean, last week you were in New Orleans. You got a lot of love from that fan base. You're going to Kansas City. You're going to get a lot of love from that fan base. What, what's it feel like for you? How's it feel going to these different places and getting all the love that you get when you go there? Well, we just, you know, <laughs> I was looking at those lists, uh, Paul, and, you know, uh, you know, for me to be in the top three or four players, Saints history, and then, you know, they got me in the top ten of the Chiefs, and I was only there four years. I mean, you know, that just says I did a lot of good things on the field in Kansas City, and, uh, man, it makes you feel good. It, you know, it's a uh, – I can't go against either team, and I really, you know, I wish I could have played in Kansas City a little longer after I got here, but things worked out the way they worked out. But uh, I don't think you have too many tackles that can say they've uh, or linemen that did what I did in two teams. Gary Zimmerman was real good in Minnesota and was real good with Denver when they left Minnesota and went to Denver and, and uh, went to the uh, went to the went to the Super Bowl, but it's not a lot of a lot of linemen that, you know, got got you know, did the dog decades on two different teams. So man, it's uh it's special. It's special man to come to to go be able to come to two different cities and uh the fans really appreciate what you did on the field. Do you see yourself at some point getting honored, you know, a la Brian Williams with the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, possibly, I possibly could end up in the ring of run. I possibly, and that's rare. You have a, a athlete, a football player that could be in two ring of honors, but I possibly could be in the ring of honor with Kansas City as well as New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think it happens. I really do. I do think it happens. Like you said, you dominated in New Orleans. You dominated in Kansas City. So I, I think it's it's a good chance that it happens for you. And obviously. You you obviously would be honored to be in both of those. You know, I mean that's huge. That's huge. Two franchises, and you know, obviously being honored by both franchises would be big time. Well, well what I didn't un- go ahead. What I, what I didn't understand in New Orleans, we were just establishing something, trying to establish an honor, a history, and tradition in New Orleans from the from the ground up. Kansas City had already established that. And Kansas City has a big respect 
for offensive line play and defensive line play. Kansas City uh, is a blue-collar town, and they respect line play. So when you come to a city like that, that watch and their fans really respect line play on both sides of the ball, they look at those guys and they like they like that and they appreciate it. So that fan base likes that. They like the, the flash and dash, but they like they like to see guys getting after it. So you're out there in Kansas City. You know, obviously you're gonna you know, be near that football team and, and you know get around that football team. Obviously, it's a big time football team in Kansas City and a team that easily, easily to win the Super Bowl this year, especially with all the things that they have going on. But I, they got to get average on defense. At this point, they're 30th. I mean, they're giving almost giving up almost 400 yard over 400 yards a game in terms of so yards. The secondary, so, the, the, the sack, how many sacks do they have? Are they getting to the quarterback? I don't see them sacking the quarterback. They picked up the kid from Seattle, but the secondary, somebody, they need to shut, they need to shut down a couple corners. Jalen Ramsey would look nice in Kansas City. He would yeah, look but nice. You know, in they're Kansas not trying to get they're not trying to give him up and they're not trying to trade him to Kansas City. No, not at all. Not at all. But he would he would look he would actually look nice in Philadelphia as well. He would look nice in a he lot would. of different jerseys. He really would. I mean, he's a big time player. And, you know, a team like Kansas City could use what Jalen Ramsey brings to the table. At this point, the Kansas City Chiefs have 11 sacks on defense, sacked the quarterback 11 times. So, I mean, it, it, the defense, I, I guess, is slightly better, but it, it seems like they're still going to have some issues, and they're still going to have to outscore football teams if they want to go where they want to go. Obviously, you look at the Patriots. The Patriots are a balanced team in terms of what, they're, what you see defensively. I mean, they're shutting teams down on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, but 42 is 42. And so it should be interesting. We're still early in the season. It should be interesting to see what Brady looks like as this season goes on because 42 is 42. And there's no getting around 42 years old in the National and Football did, and didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't they lose the tackle? Didn't they lose the tackle? They lost the lineman, didn't they? I believe they did. I believe the they did. Lost I'm telling you, you got to get pressure on, on Brady. Whoever gets to him, you know, with Brady now, especially 42, you got to pop him and knock him around. And that's going to change everything. Yeah, I mean, that definitely changes things. But I look at the Chiefs. Do they have that? Do they have, do they have the, the ability to get after the quarterback. Do they have that ability? So you're you're talking about Isaiah Wynn, who they placed on injured reserve. So that's a guy that they lost, a big loss for the New England Patriots. And especially with a guy like Tom Brady, who is a pocket passer, you know, at the end of the day, he's not moving nowhere. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be in that pocket. So you need an offensive line. So that is a huge blow for the New England Patriots. So that's a defensively, that's a big time football team. And that seems like a team that's going to be there when it's all said and done. So Willie, enjoy Kansas City. You know, eat some barbecue. 
have a good time with your old teammates and stick around and watch a good football game. I'm sitting outside of Dickie Barbecue right Dickie's Barbecue right now, waiting to get off this car so I can try it. All right, so enjoy it. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Hall of Famer, Willie Rowe. It's a good time to be Willie Rowe. You know, he's hanging out in New Orleans, hanging out in Kansas City, getting a lot of love from two great fan bases. So, about eight minutes left. I got to get to the boxing last week. Sean Porter, Errol Spence Jr. I mean, that was a, it was a good fight. It was a very good fight. It was a lot closer than I thought it would be. Going into that, I had Earl Spence winning possibly 8-4, 9-3. I mean, the fight was a lot closer than that particular fight. It was, it was close. It was a lot closer than what I thought it would be. I mean, Sean Porter was there. Now, I scored the fight 7-5, so Earl Spence on my card didn't necessarily need the knockdown. And on the two other cards, it was a 116-111, he didn't need that knockdown that he got in the 11th round. He didn't need it in terms of the other cards. To me, at the fight, if someone scored the fight 115-113 for Sean Porter, I wouldn't argue with you because it, it was – it was that close of a fight, and a lot of those rounds were hard to score. When it comes to Sean Porter, his, his rounds, they're, they're hard to score because of his style. We saw the running back, Sean Porter. We, 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 saw, we, we, we saw Emmett Smith. We saw Earl Campbell on, on, on Saturday night in Las Vegas with Sean Porter. And that's the Sean Porter to me. When, that's when he's at his best, in my opinion. When he is that football player, when he's physical, when when he's junking the game up, if you will, he had to junk that fight up in, in, in some respect. But I, I wouldn't say he necessarily did that. I don't. I wouldn't say he junked the fight up because I think I think he showed a lot of skill in that particular fight. He had some decent head movement in that particular fight, and he was there, and he was. Here's the thing. When you look at the welterweight division, we look at 147. You know, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia was a very close fight. I scored that fight a draw. I thought it was a draw. But I was okay with either Porter winning or Garcia winning in a close fight. Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, was a very close fight. I thought Thurman got it done, and I thought the right man won that particular fight. But that was a very, very close fight. A very close fight. So we look at that, and the thought was, Earl Spence, if he in fact is better, or, you know, head and shoulders above those guys, that he would dominate Sean Porter. Wasn't the case. The Sean Porter, the Sean Porter-Earl Spence fight was similar to Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, similar to Sean Porter, Danny Garcia. So I say all that to say, and Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, while Thurman won the fight, was another close fight. So you look at all those welterweights, and you're saying, who's the best? I think at this point, you can say Earl Earl Spence is the best, but Danny Garcia is not that far behind, and that's probably who Spence is going to fight next. 
Danny Garcia is not that far behind. Sean Porter, we saw the fight. He's not that far behind. Keith Thurman, I think he's not that far behind. So if we say Earl Spence is the best at 147, it's not head and shoulders above everybody else. He's above, but he's not head and shoulders above everybody else. He's above. He's definitely above. But Porter ain't too far behind him. Danny Garcia ain't too far behind him. Keith one-time Thurman ain't too far behind him. And obviously Manny Pacquiao, who beat Keith one-time Thurman. Manny Pacquiao is a guy who ain't too far behind. So, it should be interesting to see how this all plays out. It should be interesting to see what Earl Spence does next. But I was impressed with Sean Porter. Sean Porter won that night. Sean Porter lost the fight, but he didn't lose. He lost. Obviously, he lost. He definitely lost, but his stock may have risen. Sean Porter, I think, impressed a lot of people on Saturday night. He was in that fight. And, you know, I've seen, you know, some media score the fight for Sean Porter. And you know what? I can't argue with that. Like I said, I had a 7-5. to five, But if somebody had a 6-6, six, six, if you had a 6-6, six, six, obviously uh, Spence wins the fight by one point because of the knockdown. And 6-6 six, six is legitimate. 7-5 to me is legitimate either way. Anything past 7-5 is, is egregious to me. That's a bad scorecard. That's a bad scorecard. 8-4 is a bad scorecard in that particular fight. There's no way that Sean Porter or Errol Spence won eight rounds in that particular fight. No way. 7-5 and 6-6 is about right for me, in my opinion. It was a good fight. It was a great fight, and heck, I like to see it again. But Danny Garcia, Sean Paul, Danny Garcia, excuse me, Earl Spence is not a bad fight, and Danny Garcia looked really good against Adrian Granados that he fought this past summer. Danny Garcia was impressive in that fight. You know, Adrian Granados loses, but he doesn't get dominated. Danny Garcia dominated Adrian Granados in that particular fight. So Danny Garcia. You know, he's got a good chin. He's got a, a solid chin. He does everything solid. He's solid. And, and that's why a lot of people tend to doubt Danny Garcia because his, his speed is not eye-popping. His power isn't eye-popping. But somehow, someway, he gets it done. So it's very easy to pick against Danny Garcia because of that. I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rowe for joining us. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin. Hit us up on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart. We're everywhere. We're out there. GoForRadio.com where you can hear some and, and read some great, great stories about some of the great, great things going on in the world of sports. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care. <laughs>